that was 45 years ago when Moses promised me this inheritance. Give me this mountain. And what a blessing it would be to be able to say what Caleb said on that occasion, not only physically to be as strong at 85 as you were at 40, but also spiritually to have that much vigor, to have that much energy and that much tenacity, to be able to say to God and to others, I'm as encouraged today. I'm as strengthened and as energized for the things of God today as I was when I initially made my profession of faith, when I initially put my trust and my faith and obedience in Jesus. Now, Neil and I didn't coordinate this, but dovetailing off of his lesson this morning, he talked about mountaintops and valleys. Tonight, I want to talk about valleys a little bit and what we're to do when we find ourselves in them. Even in the times of Jesus, people that walked and talked alongside Jesus, they struggled with faith. Jesus would acknowledge when people had great faith, but there are a lot of occasions where Jesus said people had small or little faith. Think about some of the times in the Sermon on the Mount. People are worried about, do we have enough money or clothes or food? Are we going to be able to make it? And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, Matthew 6 and verse 30. If your father clothes the grass in the field and feeds the birds of the air, he'll clothe you. And when they were on the boat in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26, as the waves begin to crash into the boat and they wake him up, he says in Matthew 8 and verse 26, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Says a similar thing to Peter in Matthew 14, 31, and again to the disciples in Matthew 16 and verse 8 about their small faith in relation to all of the great things that they had seen. But I count two times, especially in the Gospels, where people come to Jesus and they literally beg him for more faith. There's the father in Mark chapter nine. You remember Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, and he takes his favorite three guys up there, James and John and Peter. And he comes down and there's a father, Mark nine and verse 17. And he says, I brought him to your disciples and there was nothing they could do to heal him. And if you can do anything, have mercy on us. Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible to him that believes. And you remember the father's reply in Mark nine and verse 24. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And the second time is the time that Chase just read a moment ago in Luke chapter 17. After Jesus talks to his disciples about forgiveness in verse five, they just come right out and they ask him in Luke 17 and verse five, Lord, increase our faith. And he says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you say to this mulberry tree, be picked up and move from here to there and nothing would be impossible for you. People came to Jesus and they wanted their faith increased. But that says that sometimes our faith is not all that it should be. And what should we do when those times arise? Tonight, I want to talk about what we should do when our faith is weak. I was working on this lesson and especially on Friday, I was torn. I was somewhere between five points and 15. And so I'm going to give you seven. OK, we're going to do seven tonight and we'll see how, how the time goes. What should we do when our faith is weak? This lesson tonight is really for two categories of people. For those on the one hand whose faith may be weak right now and those on the other hand whose faith one day will be. We'll all find ourselves in one of these two conditions in these categories. And maybe tonight this isn't your case. Maybe your faith is strong. You're on one of those mountaintop experiences. And I would say to you, have enough wisdom to stockpile a lesson like this in your memory for when the time comes when you don't feel like doing the things that you know that you should. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like doing the things that I know that I should do. And yet I always need to be doing them. And maybe you are in the valley. Maybe you are struggling. And I hope one or maybe multiple of these seven things tonight will help you when your faith is weak. Extremely practical tonight. I want to be things that you can do right now. What should we do to help our faith when it's weak? Let's begin. Number one, when your faith is weak, make sure that you pray for strength. Jesus told his disciples, Matthew 26 and verse 31, they'll strike the shepherd and all the sheep will be scattered. And of course, Peter stands up and says, if all of these fall away this night, 
I will not. And you know how it goes. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Peter's under the pressure. The crowds are there. The accusations come. Peter curses and denies with an oath. He doesn't know Jesus, has no association with him whatsoever. But what Luke tells us is something the other gospel writers don't. There was a private conversation. Luke 22, 31 through 32. And Jesus says, Simon, Simon, I pray for you that your faith fail not. Satan's desire to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I pray for you that your faith will not fail you. And when you're converted or when you're turned back, strengthen your brothers. This text tells us several things about what we should do in our faith this week. Number one, Jesus believed that when Peter's faith was weak, prayer was the answer. He believed that prayer was going to make a difference. It's a Epaphras for the Colossians in chapter four and verse 12. He was praying mightily for them that their faith would stand strong. Number two, Jesus actually prayed. In John 17, 9 through 11, he says, I'm praying for these, Father, not for those in the world, but for these that you've given me, that I would lose none of them. Don't you know Peter's included in that prayer? Jesus actually followed through, followed through with the prayer. And here's number three. The prayer actually worked. It made a difference. Peter's restored in John 21, 15 through 17. His faith did not fail him. And Jesus prayed toward that end. Somebody says, my faith is weak. What should I do? Pray for strength. Pray that God would strengthen it. Just come right out and ask. That's what the disciples do in Luke 17 and verse 5. It's an imperative. It's literally a command of Jesus. They say, increase our faith. We need it. And we demand that you give it to us. Pray to God and say, I need help. My faith isn't what I want it to be. James 5.16 says we should pray believing and knowing that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I don't know of a greater time of need than this one. When somebody says, my faith is weak and I'm struggling. And the Hebrew writer says, when that time comes, you can come outspokenly and boldly to the throne of grace. And guess what? God will give you help. We know we should do this, and I don't know why we don't. There may be a lot of reasons. Maybe we say, you know what? I don't want to burden God. Or maybe I should be stronger and I'll get there and I really won't come out right and just say that I really need the prayers of other people. Or maybe we spend so much time trying to help other people strengthen their faith that we forget that our faith needs to be strengthened as well. I read from two psychologists this week and they talked about the fact that therapists need therapy and that they shouldn't be ashamed when they need help. They spend so much of their time. They give so many hours to trying to help others. And they said they can be self-deceived and thinking that they listen to problems all the time. And in so doing, they could forget that they have problems of their own. And they said when they go to seek help, as they should, they shouldn't be ashamed. And we might think to ourselves, I'm a pretty strong Christian. In fact, I spend my time praying for other people. I've never requested prayers. And I would say that's a mistake. We can put up a front. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 5, without were fights, but within were fears. What does that mean? Paul looked strong on the outside. He was crumbling within. He needed divine help. And the truth is, sometimes we need the same thing. And when we need it, we should just come right out and ask God and ask others to pray on our behalf, believing that their prayers do make a difference, to pray for strength and to ask God to help us because he promises to do so. If our faith is weak and it's not as strong as we would like, we should be petitioning God and praying specifically for God to give us strength, to open up our eyes, to see the things that we need so that we can be bold and courageous. Pray specific prayers that God would help us in our time of need. What kinds of things should we pray? Here are a few things. Pray for your eyes to be opened. Psalm 119 and verse 18, the psalmist says, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your law. Your face weak. Pray specifically that God would open your eyes to the powerful things that he's doing in his word and wants to do in our lives. 
Pray for inner strength. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. Paul says that you might be strengthened in the inner man to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, being filled with all the fullness of God. Pray for restored joy. David did. Psalm 51 and verse 12. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and pray that you might be reminded of God's love. Paul talks about the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. When our faith's weak, we should pray these kinds of prayers and we should trust that God hears us. We don't watch it much anymore, but there was a time when my family, especially Brittany and the kids, would watch Kids Baking Championship. And if you've ever watched that show, you know those kids, they bake those dishes and they've got a lot of talent and ability. After they bake their dish, they stand before judges. And without fail, on occasion, a child would bake a dish and a judge would be evaluating what they just made. And they would say something to the boy or girl like this. This was great. But I just want to tell you, the next time you make something like this, remember, this icing goes a long way. This sugar in this dish, it seems like you put a little, but it, it really goes further than you could imagine. And in their inexperience and youthfulness, they failed to see how powerful a little was. And sometimes we're like that with prayer. We fail to appreciate that though prayer seems small and maybe even insignificant, especially when our faith is weak, it goes further than we can imagine. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. It's powerful. It makes a difference. And so when our faith is weak, we should pray to God and ask him specifically for strength. Here's number two. When our faith is weak, we should seek the proper nourishment. Turn your Bible to John chapter 20. John 20 has an account where Jesus is raised from the dead and he appears to the 12, the 11 first. And then he appears to Thomas. You remember what Thomas said? I won't believe no matter what, unless I put my fingers in the side and feel the nail prints. Well, Jesus gives him exactly what he wants. In John chapter 20 and verse 27, Jesus shows up and says to Thomas, put your finger here and feel. Put your hands here and feel my side. Be not doubtful, but believing. Thomas exclaims in verse 28, my Lord and my God, Jesus says in verse 29, do you believe because you've seen? Blessed is he who has not seen and yet believe. And then John gives his thesis in verse 30. Truly, many other signs did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. John says that Thomas was struggling and what Thomas needed was proper nourishment and he received it from Jesus. Jesus says, Thomas, this is what you need. Your faith is struggling. Put your hands here. See and feel and receive the evidence. You know, it would have been foolish for Thomas to go and talk to the Pharisees or maybe to go talk to the Roman authorities. They had already made up their mind to pay other people and to deceive them about the truth of Jesus. Matthew 28, 11 through 15. They weren't the proper people to go to to get the right information. And if Thomas really wanted to know the truth, he'd have to go in another direction. Jesus says in Matthew 15 and verse 14, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a ditch. When our faith is weak, we need to seek the right nourishment from the right places. I'm not telling you that you can read the Bible and pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I know you can't do that, but here's what I'm saying. When your faith is weak and when you're struggling, it probably is a good idea to back up on the Law and Order SVU marathon. You probably don't need the binge watch of the NCIS series that you just feel like you have to have. You probably need the Psalms more than Sports Center and the History Channel. When your faith's weak and struggling, you can't go to the wrong place to get the nourishment that you need. You've been sick before. And maybe a mom or a spouse or a caretaker comes in. They're taking care of you. What are they doing? They're giving you soup. They're giving you things. They say you need something that you can keep down, something that'll stick. Why don't they just break out the little Debbie's buffet? Why not Skittles and ice cream sandwiches? You know why it's not the nourishment you need in a time like that. You're too weak. It would be detrimental. It would be terrible. 
Listen to Paul. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted up in the faith, built up, abounding in it with thanksgiving, just as you were called. He tells Timothy, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith that you've been taught. First Timothy four and verse six. I'm not telling you that one chapter of the Bible is just going to change your world if your faith is struggling. But I am saying going to the will of Scripture, the well of Scripture over and over again to have your faith informed and strengthened over time, especially when your faith is weak, especially when you don't want to do it, is exactly the thing that you need to be doing. Einstein said compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He says those that understand that earn it and those who don't pay it. He wasn't just talking about money. He was just saying everything in life works this way. A little bit over time makes a big difference. Warren Buffett's worth, at least the latest I checked, one hundred and eight billion dollars. People know that he's wealthy. He's an investor. He makes a lot of money. What a lot of people don't know is this. He made over half of his fortune after his 50th birthday. More than that, 81 of those billion dollars came in his mid-60s, long after he was eligible for Social Security. Buffett's talent is investing, but his skill is time. He's just been putting a little bit away over and over and over again in this balloon and blossom. And now he's a mogul. He's just paid the price over and over again. And if our faith is weak, we need to do the same thing with Bible study, a chapter every day, reading God's word, nourishing our soul over and over again. And over time, it'll pay dividends and our faith will experience compound interest. If we don't, we will pay compound interest on our troubles. Those are the options that we have. And so Paul says, or at least John says, Thomas needed to put his finger here. We need to put our finger here. Jesus isn't here for us to put our finger in his side. But John says, I wrote it down so that you won't ever have to doubt. And if you're struggling, I want you to go to the well of Scripture. Psalm 119 and verse 25 says, my soul clings to the dust, but I have life in your word. When our faith is weak, what we should do is we should seek proper nourishment. But this is more specific than your daily Bible. And if your faith is hanging on for dear life, you probably should call an audible, maybe on your daily Bible reading plan. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is profitable. But there are specific parts of scripture that will help you when you're struggling in your faith. If your faith is hanging on by a thread, it's okay to call an audible on the first 10 chapters of First Chronicles and the intricate genealogies. You might want to go in a different direction. Because you need some other things in that moment that are going to help you. And I just want to suggest some books, some places in the Bible specifically that you and I should turn to when our faith is weak. And here's why. Number one, we should turn to the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. You say my faith struggling. Read the Gospels. Spend time in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Why? Jesus spent a lot of time with people whose faith was struggling. Do you know Jesus' favorite greeting for people who were struggling? The first thing he would say to people when he encountered them when their faith was struggling? The first thing Jesus said to most people that he encountered was this. Be of good cheer. Look up. Things are getting better for you. Don't quit. Stick with it. You need the Psalms. The Psalms, a book, a collection of prayers, 150 of them, where people literally do what you and I need to be doing when our faith is weak. They cried out for help. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, one. Help me, Lord. I'm poor and needy. Psalm 70 and verse five. Read the Psalms. You don't have to go in any particular order. You could pick a psalm at random and it speaks to the human condition and the needs of our heart. Read the book of Revelation. Somebody says, why? To confuse me and just let me forget about my troubles? Maybe. But especially the back half. It really won't matter if you know who the beast is, the dragon or all of the intricacies of John's apocalyptic details. But this will rise to the surface as you read it. That if I'm in Christ, I win. 
Revelation 12, 11, John says these overcame him because they love not their lives unto death. They put their trust in the lamb and they follow him wherever he goes. Read the book of Hebrews and see what it says about the need to persevere, persevere and the consequences of those who didn't. And especially Hebrews 11 and the roll call of faith and then Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, practical books that teach us that this life is not all there is and about the way to live wisely. And in the end, the primary goal of life is to love God and to serve him. When our faith is weak and when we're struggling, we need to seek the proper nourishment. All of the Bible is helpful. All of the Bible is important. But there are specific books that speak to the human condition and they pull us out of the ditches that we find ourselves in. And we should go to them often. Now, here's number three. When our faith's struggling, if our faith is weak, we should receive encouragement from other people. We need this. There are some things we can't do for ourselves, especially when our faith is weak. Turn your Bible to Acts 14. You know, it's been said there are some things we can't do alone. We can't receive a hug alone. We can't throw a Frisbee by ourselves. We can't water ski by ourselves. And we really, in the end, if we really are weak in our faith, we can't encourage ourselves. When Paul and Barnabas went throughout the Roman Empire encouraging Christians after they established these congregations, Luke tells us they went back. They circled back. They went to Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. And Acts 14, 22 says they went to these churches and these brethren, and they exhorted them and told them that we, through many tribulations, must inherit the kingdom of God. They encouraged them. They built them up. And when our faith is weak, we need encouragement. But it's not just that we need it. We need to learn how to receive it. We need to welcome it in our lives when other people come into our lives and God's placed them in our lives to help us and build us up. One time David was in a cave and I don't know how he found the time to do it, but he wrote a psalm, Psalm 142. And in verse four, David says, I've turned to the right. There is no refuge. Every man's forgotten me. No man cares for my soul. Do you know God has structured Christianity in such a way that nobody in this auditorium and nobody throughout the world that claims Jesus as Lord ever has to say those words. No man cares for my soul. God does. Your brethren do. But you've got to receive the encouragement. Paul and Barnabas went to these churches and they encouraged them, but it would do no good if they didn't receive it. Hebrews 13 and verse 22, the writer says, receive this word of exhortation, receive this encouragement from us, embrace it, take it in because we want to give it to you. I count at least five relationships, if memory serves me right, where God seeks to encourage us if we will receive it, especially when our faith is weak. Five areas in your life and my life where we can receive encouragement and where God gives it to us. Number one is in preaching. God encourages us through preaching. That's what Paul and Barnabas are doing in Acts 14, 22. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and encourage with all patience and with doctrine. When you and I hear the Bible preached, it's God's way of encouraging us and building us up if we will allow it. It's not just our way of filling 30 minutes. It's God communicating with our hearts and saying, I want you to stick with it and don't you quit. Number two, through our spouses. I was walking out of a buffet one time and a man had on a shirt. It said, I don't need Google. My wife knows everything. Listen, sometimes we don't want to receive encouragement from our spouses because we say, well, he or she's always rebuking me. They're always telling me where I'm right and where I'm wrong. We need to receive it. We need to receive the encouragement. If we're heirs together of the grace of life, first Peter three and verse seven, our spouses know us best and we need to let them encourage us. But if you are a spouse, it's your responsibility to encourage your spouse's faith is weak. You should be the one to say we're going back tonight. Hey, we ought to go. I know you don't feel like going Wednesday night. We need to go back. Hey, have you been reading the Bible? We need people in our lives, especially our spouses that care about the status of our faith. Listen to what Paul said to the Thessalonians in First Thessalonians three and verse five. He says, when I couldn't take it any longer, I sent to know about your faith. I wanted to know how you were doing. And he did something about it. Number three, 
our children. Our children will encourage us in our faith and we should let them. When our faith is weak, they'll notice. They'll say, hey, mom, you didn't pray before you ate. Hey, what's going on? Have you been reading the Bible today? And we need to let them do it and encourage us and receive it. When they see things are off in our lives, as they get older, they'll ask questions, penetrating questions. And we shouldn't shield those things from them, but be open and honest and receive the exhortation that they give. Number four, older Christians. Paul calls this sound doctrine in Titus chapter two, verses one through six. He says you need to build these cross generational relationships so that older Christians can teach and encourage younger Christians on how to live the Christian life. And then number five, through elders. One of the things that elders do is not just putting out fires. It's not just making decisions for the church, but the elders I know, especially here at Lehman, want to encourage your faith. Paul says as much in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that he gave apostles and prophets and elders that teach to bring us to the unity of the faith, to mature manhood in Christ. Somebody says, that's not me. I'm struggling. The elders want to help you, but you've got to receive it. God puts people in our lives to encourage us, but we've got to fight against bristling up and not receiving it. Fight against pushing back and saying, you know what, I'm fine. I'm doing well and I won't accept it. I don't know if you've heard of this app, sincerely. The tagline is off my chest. You can download this app and it's for people that are just struggling. This app is for people who don't have anybody else to turn to. They share stories, discouragements, dreams, fears and worries with anonymous strangers. Every night, if you subscribe to this app, you will be able to interact with other people and send them letters to encourage them. And you get three letters every night from people you don't know across the world that will help you build you up and uplift you. They say that this app is to remind people that nobody struggles alone. When I heard about this app, the first thing that came to my mind is this. People are dying for encouragement and they'll take it any way they can get it. Even if it's from an anonymous stranger across the world, somebody tell me it's going to be okay and that I don't have to quit and that I don't have to give in. And God's saying, if you're in my family, it's already built in. But build one another up and encourage one another, just like you're doing. First Thessalonians 5:11. My faith is weak. Increase my faith. God's going to do it. But he won't climb down from a ladder in heaven to do it. He says, I put people all around you. Now, you've got to welcome it, receive it, embrace it and take it in. Here's number four. If my faith is weak, I need to make sure that I examine myself. Paul wrote to the Corinthians who were struggling in his second Corinthians chapter 13. At the end of the letter, he says in verse five, but examine your own selves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Test yourselves to see whether your faith in Christ is truly genuine unless you are reprobates or fail to meet the test. When our faith is weak, we should examine ourselves and ask ourselves specific questions about why our faith is in the condition that it's in. There may be a lot of reasons. It may be I put my faith in other people and they've let me down and disappointed me. And I put too much faith in other people. And because maybe somebody that claims to be a Christian has failed to be all they should be, I'm going to give up. You ever known that to happen to somebody? Somebody says, well, I was faithful. He baptized me. And if this person's not worth anything, if they're not genuine and sincere, I just quit Christianity altogether. Well, I was a part of this congregation and everything didn't go perfect and didn't go right. And I just could never recover. Paul says, I preached the way that I did. So that your faith might stand not in the wisdom of men, but ultimately in the power of God. First Corinthians two and verse five. Sometimes our faith is weak because it was in the wrong place to begin with. We should ask ourselves questions like, why am I struggling in my faith? And this is what Paul did with the churches of Galatia. He says, you did run well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was evidently put forth as crucified? Let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by the works of faith or by the hearing of the law? Which one was it? Paul says, work it out, figure it out and make the right choice. 
am I undergoing this test of faith so that I can grow and be more than I would be otherwise? James one, two through five. Or is there some sin in my life that I just haven't been open and honest about and that I won't repent of that's underwriting and weakening my faith as a result? When our faith is weak, if it is weak, we need to be examining ourselves. You know, if your tire pressure continues to be low and that light keeps coming on, there's a lot of reasons why that could be the case. Could be a result of the change in the weather. It could be that you've got a slow leak. You could have a nail in the tire or something like that. And there's a lot of things you could do. You could take it to the person that fixes tires, discount tires. So maybe you can get it plugged. Maybe you just need a new tire altogether. But until you investigate it, until you figure out what's going on, you really will never know what's going on. Sometimes you take your car to the mechanic and you try to describe it. You say, my car is making this sound. And they say, well, we can't do anything about that. We won't know anything until we put it up in the air, until we actually can get under there and see what's causing the problem. Sometimes our faith is weak and we just kind of go with it. And Paul's telling the Corinthians, no, you need to stop and make sure that you turn your faith in various directions and examine it and see, why is my faith in the condition that it's in? Why am I struggling the way that I'm struggling? Perhaps my faith is just growing slower than I would like, and there's really no problem at all. But I need to examine myself and ask the hard questions. Here's number five. Stretch yourself. First Corinthians 15, 58, at the end of the resurrection chapter, Paul says, be steadfast, unmoved always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is probably on the top 10 verses known by members of churches of Christ about being faithful. Do whatever you got to do. Stay strong. What I want to say in this point is this. If and when your faith begins to weaken, remember to stretch yourself beyond your normal limits, beyond your normal limits of involvement, of fellowship, of participation. Here's what can happen to us. And it sounds like a noble and good idea. Listen to it. I'm struggling right now in my faith. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a few quarters off of teaching Bible classes. God forbid that I be a phony and a fake. I really don't want to go in there and just go through the mo. It sounds sincere. It sounds like a good idea to say, you know what? I was going to go to the Bible class Tuesday night, but I'm not going to go to Kathy's. I'm really not in the mood. And the last thing I should do is fake it. You know, I shouldn't go through the motions and just pretend it sounds like a noble thing, but it's ultimately spiritual suicide. When Jeremiah was struggling, God did not give him a sabbatical. He gave him a sermon. Jeremiah says, I couldn't speak in his name. I'd rather not. But I was burning with passion and I couldn't contain it. Jeremiah 20 and verse nine in Christianity. Many times our feelings have to catch up with our actions. Just do the next right thing. It doesn't matter if you feel like doing it. It's not phony. It's not pretending when you're struggling. And yet, you know what God says that you should do and you do it anyway. You need to be involved. The devil says retreat. The devil says, hey, get off in isolation and sort of will yourself back to spiritual health. And then you'll be able to serve God with all your might, with a clear conscience and with vigor, knowing that you'll never get there in isolation because Christianity is not designed to be lived that way. And you'll be amongst a group of people if you push yourself who's struggling in the same ways and yet have put their best foot forward. And so when we find ourselves struggling, we should stretch ourselves beyond our comfort zone. Paul says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That means wherever the line of minimum minimal is, just graduate. Paul says, you and I need our diploma and we need to graduate from BMU, bare minimum university, where we say to ourselves, well, I'm just going to get by and I'll just do whatever it takes to skate by. No, we need to go beyond that. Hebrews six and verse 10 says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor toward his name. We need to make sure that we don't forget that God doesn't forget. And when our faith is weak, we need to go beyond the regular, go beyond the normal and involve ourselves in ways that we haven't before. Here's number six. Step up your worship. If your faith is weak 
I know what I'm about to say is going to be true, whether or not your faith is weak, but especially when your faith is weak, make sure to step up your worship. Psalm 86 and verse 12, the psalmist says, I will thank you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. I will praise you as long as I live. When your faith is struggling, just evaluate and assess your worship. What this doesn't mean is that you turn worship into a talent show where it's all about you. But what it does mean is this. You start thinking seriously about the things we do when we gather in this assembly and you make sure that you put your heart into it. It means that you might want to give a few tears during the Lord's Supper and just think about how serious it is and what Jesus did for you. Luke 22 and verse 20, Jesus holds up the cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant. It's my blood poured out for many. And for many generations for the forgiveness of sins, you might want to think about the supper and actually give a few tears as you say, it's really moving me. I'm serious. As you sing the songs, more than just the melodious tune of what we're singing, think about the words as the very things you need to hear when you're struggling the most. Paul says, I'll sing with the spirit and with the understanding. Take it seriously. When we pray in your mind, you can be slowly repeating the words of the person that's up here leading the prayer as you refuse to let your mind wander off into distraction. But instead, praying always in the spirit, Ephesians 6, 18. When you hear the sermon, if something resonates with you and is true, according to the scriptures, don't withhold your amen. First Corinthians 14, 16. I think Neil's the only person in the building that says amen, by the way. Listen, we're not in the library. God's not going to be mad. It's okay. You can say I'm working on it, too. I affirm. Amen. I agree. Your heart needs to hear you say it. People around you need to hear you say it, especially when you're struggling, especially when your faith is weak. When the collection plate comes by, call an audible. Give more than you normally would as you remind yourself that literally every single thing you have comes from him. First Corinthians chapter four and verse seven. These would be things that we should do and could do at any time. But especially when we're struggling, worship's designed to do more than one thing. The first thing worship's designed to do is to glorify and honor God. It's all about who he is. But there's another thing worship is designed to do in every human heart. Every time we assemble, whether it's Wednesday night, Sunday night or Sunday morning, worship is designed to help us refocus our minds on our hearts on that which truly matters. I'm telling you, Asaph was struggling as religious as he was. He was struggling with the fact that wicked people seem to get away with everything. Maybe that's not your struggle, but he was a religious person struggling in his faith. And Psalm 73 says what fixed it for him was worship. It wasn't his absence, but his involvement. He says in verse 15, when I considered it, it was too much for me. But until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. What fixed it for him? His faith was his desire and his zeal to worship God. If your faith isn't all that it should be, when you find that your faith is weak, you should just be thinking, Am I just going through the motions in worship? Am I seriously engaged? I want to challenge every one of us. Give your heart over to him in worship and just stand back and watch how he reshapes it as a result. Psalm nine and verse one, the psalmist says, I'll worship you with my whole heart. And when you do that, something happens. He just changes it and transforms your heart. And the things that seem so big and so monumental are brought back down to size. Now, here's the seventh and final one tonight. If our faith is weak, we should rehearse the basics. In the end, Christianity talks to us about a lot of complex and difficult things that happen in our world, but it all comes back to a few basic things. And when our faith is weak, we need to just go back over the basics. I know sometimes as Christians, we think to ourselves, oh, if I just had more meat, I really need to be challenged to do more. The average American Christian is educated far beyond their obedience. 
If we just did the things we knew, if we just did the things we've already committed to memory, our faith would grow by leaps and bounds and we'd have enough to do to keep us busy until the judgment. In the end, if our faith is weak, if we're struggling, it's not the case that we need to jump in the deeper end of the theological pool. We just really need to drill down and rehearse the basics. What are the basics? The basics are, why am I here? Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Remind ourselves that this life is not all there is. With all of its complications and difficulties, this life boils down to a few simple questions. Number one, does God exist? Do you know the answer to that question? Number two, is the Bible the word of God? Number three, is Jesus really and truly the son of the living God? And number four, have I responded properly to him as a result? If I have done that, it really doesn't matter what else happens in this life. Whatever anybody tries to do to me or whatever this world does, if God exists, if the Bible is the word of God and if Jesus is the son of God and I've responded properly to him, my worst days are here. And the best days are yet to come. Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Turn your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and notice what Paul's doing at the end of his life for Timothy. Timothy's at the end or Paul's at the end and he's encouraging Timothy. And you know what he tells Timothy to do? Don't weep for me. Stay encouraged. Keep the faith. And then he does this. He says, Timothy, make sure that you rehearse the basics. What are the basics? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 8. He says, Timothy, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, from the seed of David, according to my gospel. That's basic. He says, Timothy, don't forget that for which I suffer and I'm in prison as an evildoer. But Paul says the word of God is not bound. Verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they might obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus according to his eternal glory. Paul says, Timothy, don't forget the basics. And when your faith is weak, don't you forget the basics and don't let me forget the basics. The basics are we're just passing through. God loves you and me like crazy. And this world, with all of its troubles, will one day ultimately be behind us. After you've suffered a little while, Peter says, the God of all grace will himself. Peter doesn't say he's going to send somebody else. God himself will comfort, strengthen, establish and settle you. That's enough to help us keep pushing through. Rehearsing the basics over and over in our minds and refusing to allow ourselves to be confused by all of the noise in this world. And remember that a weak faith, though it's not desirable and God wants everybody to have a strong faith, a weak faith is not a worthless one. A weak faith is really better than no faith at all. And we can hold on until he strengthens it. The disciples walked with Jesus. They saw miracles. They actually performed miracles. And yet. Sometimes their faith wasn't all that it should be. They cried out, Lord, increase our faith. We can say a lot about Peter. Peter made a lot of mistakes. You remember walking on the water, Matthew 14. What does Peter do? He sees the wind, the seas, boistering and all of those things taking place. And Peter begins to sink. And you know what Peter has enough sense to do? Matthew 14 and verse 30. Lord, save me. He cries out for help. And the Bible says immediately Jesus didn't wait. Jesus didn't rebuke him until he got him out of the ditch, until he got him out of the water. He saved him and he rescued him. And maybe tonight that's us. The wind and waves of this life are howling and it's causing our faith to struggle. We're not all that we should be and we need our faith strengthened. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you tonight. Don't let pride keep you in the pew if you need to respond publicly or privately. We'd be happy to pray with you and pray for you. If you have come to a mature faith and you believe that Jesus is Christ, the basics have resonated with your heart and you're ready to put on Jesus in baptism We'd be happy to assist you in that and be witnesses to your obedience to the gospel. 
if you need to respond, come now as together we stand and as we sing.